Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. This is Richard Gearhart and Elizabeth Gearhart on Passage to Profit. Welcome to our show. Passage to Profit is the show on iHeartRadio that speaks to entrepreneurs and those wanting to start their own business. And today we're going to talk a little bit about bootstrapping. That's not butt kicking or boot licking. That's bootstrapping. So there (laughs) is a big difference. So we asked our friend and associate, John Carini, to be on the show today to give us his bootstrapping advice. Now, why John? Well, because John has only started a few businesses and sold them and managed to navigate the entrepreneurial landscape, managed to support his family, and be an entrepreneur for the last 25 years. John is a real superstar when it comes to the world of entrepreneurs. We're delighted to have him on the show. John, why don't you tell us a little bit about what bootstrapping means and what it's meant for you? Thanks so much for having me, first of all. And uh, bootstrapping is, is a way that you can support yourself without any outside funding or help for long periods of time. And really, my claim is I'm an entrepreneur, and I've not had a boss for more than 25 years. Wow. So. I don't, don't try to be my boss here in the show. But. <laughs> Is that well, why you're so nice and easygoing? I mean, seriously. <laughs> well, thanks for that. But when I did have a boss, I wasn't as nice and easygoing. I know, going. right? Exactly. <laughs> well, I had read that bootstrapping was this funny expression in the olden days for something impossible to do. So there were little tabs like on the back of their boots to pull their boots on. So you're supposed to reach back and grab those tabs and catapult yourself over a fence. So sort of something like out of a Johnny Depp pirate movie or something, right? You know, you're launching yourself into the business world. So Yeah, that's that's a great example actually. Like most people use money to launch themselves and bootstrapping's doing without that money. So use your boots or whatever you can, hopefully customers to get you to the next level. How do you do that? I mean, so it sounds great. I mean, the advantage of bootstrapping is that you don't have to take other people's money, which means that you have more control over where the business goes, and you get to keep more of the profits for yourself, right? Because usually if somebody invests in a business, they want part of your profits at the end of the day. So how do you make bootstrapping work, and what are some examples of bootstrapping-type things? One more thing is you have flexibility, and I think that's the most important part of having your own business and being your own boss, is having the flexibility to really do the things that you want to do. And what could, what could be more important in life than that, right? So anyway, that's what's important. But how do you do it? Well, in my case, I relied on my wife. She had a day job at the beginning. <laughs> so step one, find somebody who has a steady source of income if you're going to be an entrepreneur, right? And I also had a day job at the beginning and uh, actually built my first piece of software myself in my basement. So like in the East Coast, you build it in the basement. California would have been in the garage. But anyway, <laughs> it was in the basement. <laughs> they don't have basements. No basements. And if in you're California. in the Midwest, it's in the family room or something, right? <laughs> Maybe. I, I, don't, I haven't surveyed the Midwest yet. <laughs> That's really interesting. So you've actually built and sold two software companies, right? Yeah, I've sold, really I've sold assets. Okay. So um, the original company, which is iEnterprises, still exists today from 1995, but I've sold an asset and then I've also uh, done a big white label agreement with another asset that, uh, that turned out to be like an exit. So that's great. But what are the steps? Give us an example of how you got there, how you captured business only relying on your skills and your initiative. 
first thing, maybe I'll go back and I'll just look at what people think about how a startup gets going. And then we'll talk about how that relates to bootstrapping, right? So in, in the typical world, people have an idea, you know, you're like light bulb goes off. And I actually had the idea to build a CRM that was integrated with email and calendaring and all the ways that you ordinarily communicate. And my wife called me out at a bar and said, hey, you have all these great ideas. Why don't you actually execute one? Mm. And uh, I didn't say a word. And then uh, then I just had that in my mind. And I went in the basement and, and executed. But that's the idea part. And then you need to build like some sort of an MVP, some sort, something that people can see so that they understand what it is you're doing. MVP stands for mo- uh, minimum viable product. Right. So at that moment, when you were sort of this potential of creating your own project came to mind, what were you thinking about at that moment? What were you thinking? Were you thinking, can I do this? Or how am I going to do it? Or did you just get stoked and say, this could be the coolest thing ever? Kind of, what was your frame of mind in that early period? I definitely got stoked and thought this was the greatest thing ever and uh, that I would execute it and there would be hordes of people lining up outside to buy it. But that last part didn't happen. Right. So this was the honeymoon phase, right? The, yeah. the, the honeymoon phase of the project, right? And everything was bright and and you were very excited about getting going and everything looked possible, right? Yes. And uh, I, I think sometimes entrepreneurs wouldn't get started if they really knew what was out ahead of them. However, at certain points along the road, there were points where I would have said, if you asked me if I would do it again, I would have said no, but not now. I'm so happy I did it, and I can't imagine having a boss again, right. even you, Richard. <laughs> I'm a very good boss. I can just ask anybody who's getting getting ready to get paid or get we a raise. Have, They're have, very, always very minute. nice. We have several Gerhardt employees here right now, so uh, maybe, absolutely. And maybe we smiling. should do a little poll. <laughs> I a little to 360 ask, feedback, right? <laughs> so how long did you actually keep your day job before you quit, thought you were successful enough to quit? It was until I really couldn't pull it off anymore. So I, I just went to the bitter end. I was a consultant for a medium-sized manufacturing company, and I kept that job. It was a work-from-home job. I kept it to the bitter end. I had three people working in my basement at the point where I finally had to quit that job because I just couldn't handle it anymore with what I needed to do for my own business. Was it like a year, six months? It must have been about two years. Two years. So for two years, you developed your own business. and So you worked 16 hours, no, 20 hours a day? <laughs> I worked a lot at the beginning, that's for sure. And yeah. uh, I probably worked 16 hours a day. Uh, and I think if you would look at the history, I probably got my first sale after six months. Okay. Uh, which was a couple, just a couple thousand dollars. Then I hired my first employee after probably a, a year. And then the second employee a few months after that. And then like around the third employee, I was getting in trouble with the police because we had so many cars parked <laughs> on the street. <laughs> you know, we, we live I, in the I, same uh, town. We, you know our town. Yeah, we, we, we started in the too. attic. Yeah. We started in the attic and we're like, the neighbors better not call the cops. But when you were working in the project, how did you make decisions about how you should spend your time? Because you were 
a solo starting out, right? And you had to do the marketing plus the project development plus all of the other stuff that goes with starting a business, all the administrative stuff. So did you have a formula for that or did you just kind of know when it was time to start selling or did you just sort of know how much time you needed to code and do all those things? From a marketing perspective, I definitely subscribed to what you would call guerrilla marketing. And it was in the early days of uh, websites where I put up a website and you know got people to visit it and then did email campaigns and went on discussion boards and did everything I could to get the message out there. And it was actually easier back then, I think, because there was less noise. Now there's so much noise, it's a little bit more difficult, but it's a lot cheaper now. It's really cheap to get on social media and get in these places where, where you can publicize yourself. Maybe that answers your question, but uh, it, it definitely was, uh, it was creative and I was very reactive. Hmm. So I'm still a reactive person and uh, I didn't know what my day would entail. And, you know, somebody would call up from Germany or something and say, hey, I'm interested in your software. Well, then that was the most important thing at that given moment, right? Right. Um, <clears throat> and you just go with it. So and that's so what I did. When we were starting uh, the law firm practice, we became Pike lawyers. That is, we, we took whatever came down the pike, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so yeah, we sure. weren't, <laughs> you know, some of the clients didn't always have as much money. Um, and we did a lot of free work just to kind of establish ourselves and try to build uh, a, a reputation. And for us, I think if you're going to bootstrap things, I do think that you have to kind of start from the beginning and almost assume that, you know, people don't know you, you don't necessarily have the credibility, at least in the legal profession. Um, and, you, you know, you give a lot of stuff away for free just to get the business going. But then as things get better, you can change your, your, your policies a little bit, you can change what you charge, and you can start approaching it in a different way. That was our experience. I don't know if it worked the same way for you. Sure. So it's definitely a balancing act because on the one hand, when you're bootstrapping, you really need money, right? And uh, you don't want to take on free customers. But on the other hand, those uh, non-paying customers really give you a good idea of what you should be doing. And you should always listen to that customer. That customer knows better than you what should go in your product. I took on customers early that were very inexpensively acquired. Let's put it that way. They, that, I gave them severe discounts or very large discounts, and I want to hear what they had to say. We're talking with John Carini. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt on WOR, the voice of New York. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. 
Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We just had a little chat with John Carini, a serial entrepreneur in the tech field. We're going to continue that chat now. I had some questions for him, but first, during the break, we're talking about a very important point that we missed. So, John, would you like to reiterate that? Yeah, absolutely. The thing I really wanted to mention is that almost every company will have to bootstrap at some point. So even if you're funded and funded in uh, in multiple rounds, there'll be a point where you're running low on funds or you run out of funds and there'll be a bootstrap period in any life cycle of any business, whether funded or not. So that's why bootstrapping is so important for any company. So do you consider borrowing from your grandparents bootstrapping? That's a great question. Um, I would say no, but... Uh, Maybe if you paid them back, it would be. But it depends <laughs> on how t- if you have really tough grandparents, it, 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 it might not be bootstrapping. But, I mean, I think even if you take investor money, they always try to schedule the payments in a way that they're forcing you to work hard in order to get your next installment. So they're kind of doing the bootstrapping for you because they want to create an environment where there's a lot of intensity, right? And so if you're bootstrapping and you don't know where that next client is coming from, it really helps drive the business forward. Absolutely. So, and so I remember when we were starting out, we had a we had kids, we had a mortgage. We had to work really hard in order to make sure that we could pay for everything and, and, and continue with our life. And uh, we had some money s- saved away, obviously, but it was it was bootstrapping. There were a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of late nights. Right? It got so bad I had to take the patent bar, become a patent agent. <laughs> oh, wow. A- absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there were times where we, we couldn't make payroll and we had to take from our savings to, to make payroll. And that's the hard part of, uh, of bootstrapping. There isn't that backstop. But going back to what you said about the investors and they're wanting you to go along their path, well, you spend so much time dealing with the investors when you could be going after customers and getting funding through the customer. So I think when you bootstrap, it has you focused on that customer and getting funding from doing business instead of getting funding from an investor, which is the most important thing really in any business. Right. And on the other hand, uh, there's been a lot of successful startups that have worked with investors. It's been a very successful relationship. Sometimes investors have connections and they can help the business by leveraging those connections. And they have a lot of investors have a lot of great business experience. And so if they are active participants, they can help you avoid mistakes. So it's really pick your poison. What fits your style the best? But there's multiple ways to grow a great business. Bootstrapping is is one of them. It was right for me. But and as an attorney, you really can't take uh, other people's money anyway, if you want to start a practice just because of the professional ethics rules. But any other business you could. So you have to make those kinds of decisions early on. That's a great point. I totally agree. There's multiple ways to build and grow your business. It's just that the traditional ways for tech startups anyway, like mine, tends to be through investors. And I just want people to think about other ways and think about the fact that the investors may not always be there and there'll be periods of time where they have to self-fund. And if you can do that, and you're there for the long haul, you will do business and you'll be there to do the business. If you're not there, you won't be able to do the business. Sometimes it just takes a while for your business to really break and for the money to start to come in and you got to be there for that. 
And I think when you started doing this, correct me if I'm wrong, there wasn't nearly the level of support for entrepreneurs that there is in today's society. For instance, John is an organizer of a a huge meetup group in New Jersey, Morris Tech Meetup. Uh, I'm a co-organizer just for the sake of clarity. Um, And that is a great meetup. There's guest speakers. There, people can stand up and ask for help with things. They, he knows investors. He, So you can go there and you can kind of find out stuff that I don't even know how you found that stuff out in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good point. In the 90s, there really wasn't much opportunity for investment, especially here on the East Coast. In Silicon Valley, it was a different story. It was just kind of starting out there. But on the East Coast, there wasn't. Now times have changed. And, you know, New York, here in New York, where we're really close to Silicon Valley in terms of how many investors are here and how many startups are here. And it's a fantastic thing. But back then, yeah, there wasn't much of a choice. It, you know, maybe if I had to do it again, I'd do it differently. But I'm very happy with where I am right now. So it's all good. So when you look back, so you said at the beginning uh, earlier in the show that you look back and you said, well, looking back at this, I'm not sure I would have done it, right? I think there have been times, too, when we've looked back and we're like, <laughs> we're friggin' crazy you're, for you're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, I can't believe we even yeah. tried, you know, <laughs> but um, now we're happy and satisfied, right? But oh, I'll never it, be satisfied. If you're too satisfied. Never say that on the radio. <laughs> Richard. <laughs> <laughs> but but any case, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it can be kind of overwhelming sometimes if you think about it too much, right? So. Absolutely. I, I think that about midway through was when it was most difficult. One, you had employees and you had a responsibility to the employees, but you didn't have the big revenue coming in. It was really difficult then and uh, lots of sleepless nights. And at times then I would have said, no, I wouldn't go back and do it again. But now I, I absolutely love it. And I've kind of um, I wouldn't say semi-retired. I still have a CRM company called yeah, the, It's I Enterprise. You, right? you should hear what, how John spends his day. I mean, his goal now is to work four hours a day. I right? try to work less, yes. And, uh, and, and sometimes you work less than that, right? And sometimes a little more, but... Uh, every time I talk with you, you're you just come back from the gym and you've gone for a nice long swim, and you know you've had uh, spent some time in the sauna, and uh, you look great. He's got a a great tan for our listeners there who can't see him, so it's worked out pretty well in terms of lifestyle and quality of life. I absolutely love it. And are you saying my tan doesn't come through on the radio? What? <laughs> it's why not? very bright, John, but it, not <laughs> that bright. Uh, so. Okay. so I wanted to bring up a couple other things. So you are the organizer of Morris Tech Meetup, which is in New Jersey, in Morris County. If anybody wants to meet John in person, he's a great guy. I would suggest it come to a Morris Tech meetup. But you also now have time for your own charity. I'm actually working on it with a, a larger group now. It's, oh. it's called the Tri-County Scholarship Fund. Great. And what it is, it's a fund that takes typically inner city uh, children who can't afford a good education and puts them in elite private schools. And mm. the charity actually funds them uh, starting in kindergarten sometimes all the way through high school. So these children wouldn't have an opportunity for a good education and the kind of opportunities that, that I had because my parents sent me to those types of schools and things. And I lived in the appropriate neighborhoods and so on. So it's a great charity. Tri-County Scholarship Fund. Look it up and you can donate online. It's really, really good. 
My dad was a New York City police officer. He became a computer cop. He was a computer operator uh, working at police headquarters. So I'm second generation computer guy here. I Enterprises. So it's a little I and then Enterprises. And that's your CRM company. I don't know if everybody knows what CRM means. Yeah, it means customer relationship management. And it's basically what you need to help your company build your business and sell more. And ICRM for short, which is I Enterprises CRM, is specifically designed for uh, startups and entrepreneurs, and it handles recurring revenue really well. It integrates with your email. It does a lot of things intelligently. We even leverage IBM Watson and some other artificial intelligence, including Amazon Alexa, to make it go. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gerhardt Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearhartLaw.com. At Gerhardt Law, we have have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, Contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Welcome back, entrepreneurs. Now we start the pitch competition. Each contestant will have a total of eight minutes to make their pitch. The first two minutes, they fly solo, and so for that time, describe their project and put it in the best possible light. The remaining time is for the Inquisition where they'll be challenged by Richard, Elizabeth, and John to describe their project in greater detail and convince the audience that their project is the best. At the end of the program, our listeners will be directed to the Passage to Profit page on Gearheart Law website, where our listeners can vote for the pitch they like the best. Our first pitch is by Achintia, Saxena, and Arthur Siaka. Their company is Business Boot Camp, and they are both seniors in high school. Hi, everyone. As we said before, we are currently high school seniors at the Morris County School of Technology and the Finance and International Business Academy. We are also the co-founders and CEOs of Business Bootcamp. Business Bootcamp is a non-profit pending organization that aims to educate and inspire an interest in business studies from middle school students to aspiring entrepreneurs. We're an organization that engages with participants in small gatherings to experience Business Bootcamp's specially crafted core four curriculum, which includes finance, management, marketing, and human resources. We hosted our first class about a year ago, where we taught middle school students the basics of marketing, and through our interactive curriculum, we were able to have them break out of their shells and really embrace the marketing education, as well as the soft skills we are implicitly teaching them, such as public speaking and leadership. Since our first class, we've conducted workshops at Dover Library, C2 Education, and Lincoln Park Library. We're currently in the process of planning a set of classes at I-Level of Morris Plains later this fall, the Rockway Library, and the YMCA in Lakeland Hills. These great opportunities have allowed us to grow and mature into growing our reach to Newark and Puerto Rico this past summer. This past summer, we went to Newark with a goal of making a difference in an area close to our hometowns and serving as entrepreneurial role models for them. 
We had the privilege of conducting workshops to middle school students over the course of a month at the Newark Clinton Library. This past summer, we also had the opportunity to take our initiative to Puerto Rico and expand our reach. We spent seven days in Fajardo with a group of 11 business boot camp volunteers. Our group in Puerto Rico was to share knowledge while also helping to strengthen the economy. We spent four days teaching business boot camp classes tailored for the Puerto Rican economy to nonprofit leaders, small business owners, and students willing to learn any business topic they wanted. We reached nearly 50 students at our time there. Also, two of the four teaching days that we were there were dedicated to consulting sessions for the small businesses. During these sessions, we helped create business plans, marketing plans, implement website improvements, and an online accounting system to help streamline their business. Business Bootcamp has grown from two partners with a basic vision to an organization of almost 50 volunteers. We are eager to expand our reach even further, and over the next month, Business Bootcamp will be going global. We are offering live online classes in India, Italy, and Poland, as well as international business consulting. We have started receiving applications from startups in India that we will be providing our services. We're also releasing our iOS application in the next couple days, and we hope to remain innovative since innovation has been the key to our success so far, and we are eager to keep this spirit alive as we continue to grow. All right. Well, thank you for that. That's quite a project. So how did you guys decide to get involved in this, and how did it happen? Well, so a little over a year ago, we competed in this competition called Entrepreneurship, where we had to present a business plan to a group of judges as part of this competition called Skills USA. Shortly after that, Achintia came up to me one day and said, why don't we just teach a couple of business classes to some middle schoolers? I thought that was a great idea because we wanted to give back to community. And one of our main goals was helping impoverished areas as they don't really get the education that we do in this international business academy. So we wanted to spread our knowledge to even more people. So with this, we had gone to our high school faculty and then with our teachers, they helped us realize our vision and make it grow even bigger to something where now we're going global in the future. That's really amazing. You know, I love Puerto Rico. We've been there a few times. It's such a beautiful island. This Puerto- isn't just an excuse to go, like, to other countries and <laughs> hang out, right? Okay, there's, there's real work going on here. Can we broadcast from there next time, please? Oh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. The beach in San Juan. <laughs> yeah. so, so really, what made you pick that? Just because of the hurricanes, the devastation? So uh, one of my aunts also lives in Puerto Rico, and after the hurricane, she was telling me a lot of the stories about how a lot of the schools were really dead devastated and how education was really being impeded by these natural events and we really wanted to be able to make sure that no one's education is hurt by this uh, event that occurred so we wanted to make sure that we were able to help people who are less fortunate and impacted by these events so that's why we chose Puerto Rico. You know you were at our meetup the other day and somebody asked the question it was really interesting I'm just going to ask it again it is is age a problem so when you get in front of these uh, entrepreneurs and they're two or three or four or I'm probably five times your age, your high school students, how do they take that? How do they, uh, do they accept the fact that you're the expert in certain areas? Uh, and how does, how do you pull that off? Well, when, when we first went to Puerto Rico and then we got up in front of around 50 people for our classes, there were little surprise expressions on their face seeing that 17-year-olds are teaching them about business. What do they know? Well, through our experience and once we finally got into teaching the classes, they realized that, oh, wow, they actually know a little bit more. Because while we go through this academy for international business and finance, we learn about the basics of accounting, marketing, technology and business. So all this background and experience helps us to create business boot camp and to properly teach our classes. So once you just get out of that little hump about, oh, they know what they're talking about, so it's okay that they teach me a little bit, it all works out in the end. Yeah. Also, like I think uh, that was a major problem with the business consulting because we were helping implement advice to a group of people who are almost 
a lot older than us, so they really struggle with that ability for uh, for them to implement this advice. But I think the Morris County School of Technology has really prepared us, and once they hear us talk, they're really more accepting of our advice. That's really great. I mean, we'll take advice from anyone who's willing to give it here on Passage to Profit, so uh, thanks a lot. I mean, can you talk about some of your success stories? Have students actually gone out and started businesses based on your curriculum? Yeah, so one of our classes in Puerto Rico, she was planning on starting a tourism company, but was really unsure about what she wanted to do and how she would get there. So uh, throughout our classes, we taught her how to start start a small business, how to acquire funding, how to manage a lot of the technology that goes along with it. And after that, towards the end of our one-week course, she approached us and was, I'm really thinking of starting a business now. She gave us her business card, and we're keeping in touch. We're helping her with all the steps as she moves forward. And we're hoping in around three months, she's hoping to release her business That's great. That's an inspiring story. And congratulations to you both for having such a powerful influence on this. I think one of the great things about being an entrepreneur is is you get to see the fruits of your labor. You you help people find themselves through work. Uh, Work is one way that we express ourselves as persons. And it's wonderful that uh, you're helping this process, uh, especially for younger people who in in the past would have no way to do that. And I think that the education in this country and worldwide, as you guys have brought up, is really changing. And this is more at the forefront of education. So it's up to the young people like you to really keep pushing this forward and pushing the new things and the future of what education is really going to look like. Yeah. And young people get a bad rap these days. Everyone's saying, oh, they're always looking at their phones. They're doing this. I think that's completely wrong. Young people who want to do things, if they put their mind to it, they can do it. And you guys are proof of that. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank and you they so learned this in school, so our schools are working for something. <laughs> yeah, Morris County School of Technology, right? <laughs> go, go, Morris County. Yeah. All right. Can you tell our listeners how they can learn more about your project and uh, how to contact you? Well, to learn more about Business Bootcamp, you can go on our website at www.businessbootcamp101.org. Here you can find our many video libraries that we have posted, as long as articles all about business, and you can find our social media pages as well. So go check us out, and maybe you'll learn a little bit more about business. You're listening to Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart, along with John Carini, Passage to Profit on WOR, the voice of New York. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later, and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventing. Z.com, inventing a to z.com. Email me, Lisa at inventing a to z.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventing a to z.com. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. Our next contestant, who ironically also happens to be a client of the firm, is Dawn Pascal. And she's going to be talking to us about her project, Home Sweet Home. Dawn, you have two minutes. Go. 
Hi, everybody. I'm so excited to be here, so thank you for the opportunity. I'm Dawn Pascal, the owner and founder and head baker at Home Sweet Home Specialty Bakery. We are a 100% vegan and gluten-free, dedicated wholesale kitchen and retail cafe in Cliffside Park, New Jersey. We are also soy-free, palm oil-free, non-GMO, and organic. In addition to the variety of baked goods and breads, we also make our own ice cream, yogurt, and coffee creamer. They say necessity is the mother of invention. So since there was no good vegan butter on the market, we decided to create our own. There's really nothing on the market like it. It is coconut-based, soy-free, palm oil-free, and nut-free. And it melts, spreads, and whips and tastes just like dairy butter. And it is a one-to-one replacement for dairy butter in any application. We use it in-house. We also produce it in food service tubs, as well as retail packages. And we've been in about a half a dozen specialty markets since spring of 2016. You know, growing up in Brooklyn, butter was a staple in our home. And after going dairy-free about 15 years ago, I really wish that then I had decided to make the butter that we produce today. So our goal is to bring this product nationwide. It doesn't make a difference whether or not you've chosen to be vegan, if there's a moral, ethical, or medical reason why, we feel that everybody should buy our butter. Yeah, I think, great. I think so too. I taste it. So I talked Dawn into bringing some samples for all of us. I told her I had to taste it before we went on the air, but it really is good. Thank I, you. I can verify it tastes like butter. It's really good. <laughs> I can't believe it. So I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn <Original>. butter. <laughs> it's very good. Thank you. It's healthier than normal butter. Uh, What about the calories? The calories are the same. Unfortunately, fat is fat, but fat from a coconut as opposed to an animal obviously is much better for the body. Is it different chain triglycerides in coconut than in animal fat? Yeah, so yes, exactly. So coconut is is an MCT or a medium chain triglyceride and your body actually does break it down and over, they've showed tests that over the course of um, a, a span of time that it actually helps the body maintain healthy weight as well. How does the butter work for cooking? Is it just a spread or can you use it to prepare food? Yeah, so our butter literally is a replacement for dairy butter in any application. So we may have made it and created it with the need of baking, but then there is, you know, no other butter that I use in my house. So you can saute with it. You can emulsify with it. We make sauces. um, We make sautés. We make savory pies. We make pie crusts. We make buttercream on a cake. You know, there's really nothing you can't do with it. That's awesome. Um, Is there like science behind this? How about some studies where they've looked into the ingredients you're using and how they're better? Do you have any information about that? Or maybe, maybe that's something you could do in your future is to actually do a study on on your own products. What, what do you think of that? For what we've researched regarding the nutritional value and properties of coconut, we found that that was the best basis for the butter. Um, and because we are soy-free and a palm oil-free, um, obviously a non-GMO and organic shop and, and true to our brand, we were not going to use any soy-based products and we weren't going to use any palm oil in it either. And not necessarily that palm oil is bad for you, but it is bad for the environment. So we've chosen to be really true to the brand to only provide people with the items and ingredients even down to the level of a butter that we feel is is really consistent with our brand and mantra. And I think this is very important what you're saying because I sometimes look for alternatives to animal protein, animal fats. It's almost all soy. 
And I cannot tolerate soy. My system does not tolerate soy. So where do you go if you can't eat soy and you don't want to eat animal products? Well, I go to you. You come to us. (laughs) (laughs) Or you just don't have butter. Those are your options. Go to Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs) So you have butter, which you're trying to take nationwide, and you would like investor capital for that. Is that right? That would be absolutely fabulous, yes. Yeah, so what are you doing now? So I know you've had the product out for a while. It's been very successful. The two-second backstory is, is that I worked in HR for 25 years. I was uh, let go from my job in a, in a very large financial uh, services company in 2013 and thought, wow, if this is not the universe telling me that I needed to go do something with my life. I always wanted to, to be in the culinary arts or this industry since I was five. Um, so I figured what the heck, right? Let's try it now. Um, Before, I couldn't really appreciate wanting to do it. Uh, In 2017, um, I moved myself out of a rental kitchen and into my own dedicated space, which made it easier for us to then expand upon the things like coffee creamer, ice cream, yogurt. Um, We do everything in-house. So our butter is produced by hand. It's poured, snapped out of the molds, wrapped, sticked, etc. And I have self-funded everything. So I I really listened to the comments made earlier. (laughs) Um, As much as I feel honored that I've had the ability to be able to do that, it's also equally been a struggle. Let's be realistic. I think everybody who starts a business knows that. So what are our plans? So we are producing them in retail packages. My plan is to find a facility that will allow me to move the, the production of it out of my kitchen and into a dedicated facility. Obviously, that is vegan and gluten free. Maintain the same shape that we do it, which is very reminiscent of regular butter sticks. There's two sticks with eight tablespoon measurements. It literally looks like butter wrapped in a package, a really very homegrown and homemade look to it. Get ourselves into a facility, get distribution. Um, We do sell the product now currently is the only product that I sell off the website. So we do ship it to people and then as well as selling it in retail specialty markets. Yeah, one comment on bootstrapping. B2B businesses are best to bootstrap. For something like what you're doing, you're probably going to need funding. So I think you're doing absolutely the right thing by going out and trying to get funding to bring this thing to the whole country and the world eventually, hopefully. Yeah, your website, I just want to go over that again because it's not home sweet home. No. It's om-sweethome.com. Right. And your name is Dawn Pascal, P-A-S-C-A-L-E. So people can find you on social media, right? Yes, they can. Yes. You have a lot of baked goods too, which I had bread that you made with this butter. Well, I don't know what you can actually call it. You can't call it butter. I don't know. Well, we call it in-house, we joke and we call it butter, B-U-T-T-A-H. And it's okay. kind of back to the whole Brooklyn thing. <laughs> um, you know, I, I really have tried for the past several decades of my life to not sound like I came from Brooklyn. <laughs> I have, you know, I love, I love Brooklyn. John, on the other hand, <laughs> no, I, works I absolutely, for ways to sound like it comes from Brooklyn, right? I joke that way too. And I love Brooklyn and it is always in my heart, even though we are a a New Jersey-based company, Um, we joke and we call it butter, right? Because technically it really is not butter with, you know, T-T-E-R. So I had the bread with butter. How was that? Was that good? That was was, was, (laughs) Could have been from Brooklyn. Seattle doesn't do Brooklyn that well, I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, sorry. But it was absolutely delicious. And 
You know what? I think you really have something here, obviously, because you're getting a lot of sales in your retail space, right? Yes. Yeah. You just want to go nationwide. And for that, you need an investor. Yeah. I mean, we really feel that there there really truly is nothing on the market like the product that we have. And and again, sort of back to my earlier comment, um, and or in the case of you, Elizabeth, that you said you like to you know, steer clear of soy and steer clear of dairy. Myself, I steer clear of dairy. Um, whether you're vegan, gluten-free, intolerance, um, sensitivity, et cetera, et cetera, it's still a better heart, healthy product for you. And if it is a, a true one-to-one replacement for dairy butter, why why wouldn't you want to, to have the product? Right. And what's your best seller after the butter? So it would definitely have to be our donuts. They're really delicious. And what are those made with? They're all cake. The fats in our products are either coconut oil or our butter. And then again, all, you know, gluten-free ingredients. And where can people find you again? om-sweethome.com or stop into our retail store, which is 708 Anderson Avenue in Cliffside Park. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And we'll be right back with our final contestant on Passage to Profit. You're listening to WOR 710, the voice of New York. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W dot com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We are to our final pitch, last but certainly not least. Here we have Kevin Lane with us and his wife, Lori Lane. They have a very cool product called Create a Castle. Hi, my name is Kevin Lane from New Milford, Connecticut. I'm the founder of Create a Castle, along with my wife, Lori. Thanks for having both of us. We're super excited. Create a Castle is a unique year-round product that works both in the sand and the snow. We have invented something new built on the premise of something old. Our patented castle molds give families a fast, fun, and frustration-free way of building elaborate castles and towers, unlike the traditional one-dimensional sand molds. The idea for Create a Castle came to me while on vacation in Laguna Beach, California in August of 2016. Being an artist, I've always had a passion for drawing and building sandcastles ever since I was a little kid. I saw a family struggling with the common bucket-style sand molds that lift off when it leaves half a castle. That's when the light bulb went off. What if the bucket could be pulled apart, therefore eliminating the vacuum-related issue? I figured something like this had to exist in what I was envisioning, but after, after spending countless hours researching products and patents, I was coming up empty. I literally started with a garbage can cut in half and zip tied to see if my idea would work. Fast forward two years after countless prototype revisions and testing on beaches, and even in the snow, here we stand with Create a Castle. 
Create a Castle is currently sold on our website, as well as Fat Brain Toys, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, multiple surf shops on both the East and the West Coast, and numerous toy stores. We have participated in numerous consumer trade shows throughout the year and in international sand sculpting competitions. We were vendors at those events. We actually just shipped our first product to Australia. So in year one, we are in two continents, which is pretty exciting. Creative Castle was chosen as a Connecticut Entrepreneur of the Year in our category. We have a very large social media presence. We have thousands of followers. And we have only had the product for less than a year. And in that year, we were able to pitch to Story, which is a retailer in New York City. And on the panel, we got to pitch to the CEO of Bloomingdale's. So we are actually speaking with Bloomingdale's now. And to the creator director of Oprah Magazine. Um, Kevin won a pitch off last month with Lisa Ascalise, which was very exciting. (laughs) And we were featured on Live with Kelly and Ryan this summer as one of the hottest summer toys of the summer through way of Chris Byrne, who is known as the Toy Guy. And Chris actually labeled our product as revolutionary. Create a Castle is an innovative twist on a timeless tradition. We're an escape from technology, allowing kids and adults to put down their devices. We are on a mission to bring families together one castle at a time. Wow. That has just been, you guys have skyrocketed so much success so quickly, and it's really been fantastic. So I have to confess, uh, one of my favorite parts about having a sandcastle is kicking it all down after I've built it. <laughs> but, <laughs> and, I, and I still do this, I guess, but um, this, uh, this, this product, maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about the product and how it works and what it does. Create a Castle is essentially a split mold system that is also stackable. Um, Depending on the sand type that you're in, you could stack sometimes higher, sometimes you have to go lower profile. You have to decide that when you're on the beach, do a little bit of science and figure out how tall can I take this thing and how elaborate do I really want to take it. Could you you live in one? I've I've built ones big enough that you certainly. <laughs> oh, like do. those ice castles up in Iceland or somewhere. But you well, had so, had something you wanted to say about Puerto Rico to tie in with our first pitch, right? Yeah, it's it's funny hearing all these other pitches. There's such crossovers, but Puerto Rico. So we were looking for something to basically give a lot of our kits to someone in need, and we first thought of Puerto Rico on the beach after the big hurricane they had. We couldn't actually get the kids down there because there was lack of power, and it was just a whole issue. Um, so we ended up hooking up with a company out of Florida instead, which takes children in with, uh, cancer, cancer patients, and they give them a full week vacation stay in the sunny beaches of Western Florida. And we donated 50 kits to a organization called Sandcastle Kits. Wow. Wow. That's really great. So, uh, our, our listeners can go to our website, the Passage to Profit page at GearheartLaw.com, and they'll be able to see the product, the castle molds that you sell as a kit. And so these are really neat. It's uh, about the size of a paint can, right? And it has castle parts on it, and mm-hmm. it looks like brick. And, and you, you fill this bucket with sand, and then you turn it upside down, and you, you split it open. No, I'm getting a no? No? Okay. <laughs> you, don't, you don't turn it. That's the whole point. You don't turn it upside down. That's All right. Well, it, it gets away from having to do that. So you fill it. I stand corrected. Actually, I'm actually, sorry. actually, oh, no. yeah, that's right. I'm you fill it from the top. All sorry. right. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. So tell us how it works. So, but, uh, so but, explain to me. So. But to go back to what you said, you can flip it. You, in many situations, you actually can invert it. It can be used either way. 
All right. So you can use it flipped upside down or right side up. So I want to go back to the question I asked you before the show. What's the longest one of these that you've ever done or seen? Close to 50 feet long. What beach was that? Nahant Beach, Massachusetts. That's where you're from, Massachusetts, right? No, oh, you're from Connecticut. Connecticut. I have a very important question. So have you considered including adult beverages with the sandcastles? (laughs) Just because. When I had to build these things for my kids, I would have had all this time to enjoy an adult beverage instead of spending all that time building the sandcastles. (laughs) So how have the snow ones turned out? The snow has been really interesting, and a lot of the Tory insiders are actually telling us that that's the game changer for us because we've basically hit the holy grail with inventing a toy that has year-round usage. And these, what I think is one of the coolest things, I mean, these are very cool, is that you have these little lights. Whose idea was the lights? Was That, that was actually my idea. I was going to um, Clearwater, Florida last December. And I said, you know, this, this system will wow everybody, but let me take it to the next level. And they had this beautiful boardwalk where thousands of people cross by. And I would have crowds of 50 to 100 people at a time asking me, oh, my gosh, how did you do this? Some people thought that there was a landing strip on the beach because it was so bright. So those are little LEDs. Are they single LEDs that you stick on there? Yeah, there's single LEDs. There's a rip cord you pull out. You just put the rip cord into a safe place. And when you're done, you clean the lights up and you put the rip cord back in and it's reusable. That's very cool. It adds a whole new dimension to sandcastling, right? I mean, if, if you're... If you're using one of these kits, I guess you're a sandcastler, right? Is that the the terminology? That if you're a sandcastler, you can decorate your sandcastle with all sorts of LED lights. They're very small, and they go around the perimeters, all of the round surfaces, and it looks fantastic. And I think it really adds something that we hadn't seen before in the world of sandcastles. You told us before the show that you're close to getting on Oprah. Tell us a little bit about your experience with Kelly and and Ryan, too. Well, Kelly and Ryan was phenomenal. Just such an exciting day to be on there. And as we sat back and looked, and here was our Creative Castle sand table with the sand table that was made in our neighborhood by our neighbor, Brian. And we're next to all these toys, Mattel, Hasbro, Nickelodeon, all these big companies. And we're like okay, this is this real, you know, within like the first year of having it. So that was just a phenomenal experience with, um, with Chris Byrne. And then with the... So did being on the show help promote the business oh, a lot? Af- after you were on absolutely. there, you got a lot of inquiries about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. All over the country. All, even out never, of the country. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we hooked up into Canada. I mean, we, we tapped into markets we didn't even anticipate. Yeah, that we didn't. Yeah. That's and with, with regards to, we had pitched, when we pitched to the story, the retailer... Um, in New York City is Adam Glassman happened to be on the panel um, and you know they liked the product and everything he was very excited about it and then we happened to see him again in at a gift expo in New York City and he came by and he realized that it worked in the snow as well which is again the big thing that's a game changer for us and he was just very excited and he said can you make some fake snow he said if you can make some fake snow we'll think about maybe I'll show this to Oprah so we have no definite plans with that but we emailed them last week because my husband the creator of everything has been sitting at our kitchen table and came up with fake snow (laughs) now Uh, that works too i I don't know even to be in oprah's orbit if you're uh, (laughs) i've got a consumer product i mean that's wonderful so i love the snow idea too that's fantastic 
Thank so you. did both you guys quit your full-time jobs to do this then? Like, how did this happen? No, I'm actually, by trade, I do website design and development, some sysadmin work. And it got to a, a threshold where basically I had to hand off a lot of that work to Lori so that I could focus on this side of the business. So Lori is doing a lot of the front-end engineering. Now I trained her. Oh, cool. So one other thing I want to say, you did not come to audition in New York, but you were on the beach playing with this, right, with your kids. And Kenya Gibson, who is our media contact here at iHeart, saw it and went, what is that? And started talking to you. And that's how you got involved with all of this. So you're your own best advertisement, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Instead of going door to door, we go beach to beach. Right. So you guys are really working hard on this. What I'm saying is like, it feels like you're pouring everything you have into this and it's paying off for you. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, we're sitting here talking with you guys right now by way of Kenya and that's what it takes is get out there and connect the dots. Your website is createacastle.com. That's correct. Yep. And people could buy it straight from your website? Straight from our website and a portion of all direct sales from our website goes back to the Mystic Marine Life Rescue Program as well. That's really awesome. Kevin and Lori Lane with Create a Castle. You're listening to Passage to Profit on WOR 710, the voice of New York. What are entrepreneurs most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. We've come to the end of our presentations this evening, and they were all great. Yes, I'm glad we had such great people on the show today. It was pretty exciting, really. So remember, everyone out there in our listening audience, go to the Passage to Profit page at GearheartLaw.com. That's spelled G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. And vote for your favorite project. To summarize, we had Achintia Saxena and Arthur Siaka with Business Boot Camp, teaching young people how to start a business. Don Pascal with Ohm Sweet Home, vegan and everything else free except for coconut, butter, and other baked goods that are absolutely delicious. And Kevin and Lori Lane with Create a Castle. Go to the Gearheart Law website, G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Go to the Passage to Profit page. And you'll see at the bottom, you'll see the three pitch presentations. Vote for your favorite one. Whoever gets the most votes gets a little prize. And everybody gets t-shirts who pitched today. I have the design. I just have to get them made. I want to say thanks again to everybody. John Carini, serial entrepreneur. Thank you, John. Thank you, pitch presenters and our producer, Noah Fleischman, and our sound engineer, Rob Barretts, who 
really makes this sound good on the radio. And our media maven, Kenya Gibson, and the whole iHeart team. Don't forget to join us next week for another round of pitches and another excellent speaker. And you can start thinking about what your pitch will be. Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart on WOR, the voice of New York. Thank you.